Well, good morning. As he said, we're checking Nancy Inslee from Portland, Oregon. I know you might not say it that way, but we say Oregon. And uh, our weather's not quite like this. So, <laughs> In fact, we were in Florida first. So we came from, it's supposed to be 86. I don't know if it actually made it to that. And then we came, and last night it was 3 degrees. Is that what you said? <laughs> so it's quite a switch. And then... Uh, We'll be here for a few days, go to Missouri, and where it's even colder, apparently, and then back home, where it's more neutral. (laughs) But I'm glad to be here. It's always a pleasure to preach the Word of God, because I know it sets people free. And actually, God always has me teach on healing, and I notice that a lot of people might have an issue, and they'll go up for prayer over and over and over again, They don't get healed, or they don't know that they're healed, and then they start getting frustrated. They might get discouraged. They might even get disappointed with God. But so often, it takes some teaching, some changing of the thinking for people to actually receive. So I like to teach. Even if I go and meet with someone, I always ask for some time to give them the word, to show them what the word says, so their faith can be in the word and increased, and then they're ready to receive. So that's what we're doing today, and there are actually four parts to the teaching. To me, it's extremely important that we really grasp all four areas, because I've seen people that maybe understand one or two areas, but then they don't get it in one or the other, and they keep wondering why their faith isn't working, why they're not getting healed, why they're not seeing the victories. So the first session is on knowing the will of God. We have to know what God's will is or we can't be in faith. If it's, well, he might, he might not, then where's your faith? So you can't be, have a firm conviction if you don't know what his will is. So that's the first section that we cover. And then knowing how very, very important our thoughts are. Then the importance of our words. And the last session is understanding our authority. So typically what we would do is all four at once And at the end of that, pray for those who um, still need to be healed. So I would really encourage you to come back tonight to get the other four sessions because they all do work together. And they're all very important elements. So like I said, I'm glad to be here. Lord, I thank you that you fill my mouth with your words. Your words go forth with power, that hearts are open and ready to receive anything that was wrong thinking, Lord, that it line up with your truth, your word so that we can all walk in the victory that you have prepared for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you're expecting good things. You may have noticed it really matters what you believe, because all of your responses to things in life are going to be dependent on what you believe. And that's why I always go to the Word. Go back to the Word. Go back to the Word. I'm going to give you lots of scriptures And if you're at all interested in this topic, I would highly recommend you take notes through all four sessions, because then you can go back to these scriptures and know that it's not just something someone was saying, but it's what God has said. And that's what we always want to base our faith off of, is not what someone's saying on the television, but what God is saying. And so I like to do a lot of scriptures so that you have that. Now, a lot of times, like in my case, people don't really know what the word says. Now, I don't know. It sounds like you're in a much better church than I was in when I was younger because uh, I'll get to my story, but I was told that I was to be suffering for God's glory. 
and that this was purposeful, it was the straw I drew, and it was to suffer all my life. And that's not what the word says. But I was, uh, it says in Hosea 4, 6 that people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that's what was happening to me. So that's why the word is so important to me to get the word into people so they know. So when I was 15 years old, I was at a school activity night, jumped into the swimming pool or dove into the pool. The first half of me went in just fine, but the second half was suddenly paralyzed from the waist down. And it was temporary, thank God, but I was in excruciating pain. I dog paddled over to the edge of the pool, and from that moment on, I was in great pain. They did all sorts of therapies trying to help me. They put me in one of those old-fashioned corsets, like you see in the movies that the women wore and couldn't breathe to try and help support my back. And nothing helped. None of the treatments helped. After time, they then did a couple of surgeries, They had reached the point where they said, we're really sorry, there's nothing we can do to help you. They'd tried something and it didn't work, but then the doctors came back to me and said, well, we can try this one thing, but we're not sure that it's going to work. So they opened me up from the front, took out bone splinters, and built little bone bridges around my spinal column, and two, three weeks later, they flipped me over and did the same thing from the back, took more bone splinters out of my hip and made this little bridge. But they said, from this moment on, whenever you turn for the rest of your life, you'll have to turn very precisely and whole body. You can't just turn because it can snap those bone bridges. And uh, that also did no good, didn't help me at all. They said part of the problem was that my scar tissue would form and it would be pressing against nerves. Because what had happened when I dove in is that it pulled the main muscle group at the base of the spinal column, pulled that main muscle group away from the spinal column. So over time, my spinal column was being pulled from the one side and it was causing it to twist. So where you normally have the bone points and nerve roots coming out between the bone points, three of those were pointing up into nerve bundles. So I always was in pain no matter what position, if I was lying, standing, sitting. It was always extreme pain, never, ever stopped because there was that constant irritation. And they said, we really can't do much about that. We can keep doing surgery to scrape out the scar tissue, but you'll have to come in every couple years and have that done. So I was still young at that time, and they then reached the point where they said, we're really sorry, but there is absolutely nothing more we can do for you. You can keep going to therapies and treatments. They did all sorts of awful treatments with needles and things. And, but they said, it will not get better. It will only worsen. You will never hold down a job, never sitting length of time, never standing length of time, never bear children. This is your life, and we're really sorry. So that was what I was told, and the church told me that I was suffering for God's glory. So I had accepted that. At one point, the elders and the pastor of the church had come over to my house and prayed over me. Nothing happened, so for me, the issue was settled. I thought, okay, God's answered. I'm obviously not one of those chosen ones that gets to be healed, and I was just set with that. I figured that was right, but here's something really interesting we went back, this happened in Germany, not the accident, but the, most of the surgeries. And when we went back to Germany, 
there was a couple that had come over that night to pray for me. And they said we can remember exactly that night. When we walked in the door, the first thing the pastor said to you was, Now, Nancy, don't expect anything. So obviously there was no faith in the prayers that were being prayed that evening. But I didn't have any understanding of all this. So for me, I thought God had answered and he didn't want to heal me. So then we were back in the United States. We were invited to a meeting and... Because I couldn't sit, I spent most of my time flat. And for 17 and a half years, I suffered. For about the last five, I was almost completely bedridden. I could be up for only a few minutes. So they had put me in a steel brace. Okay, that's how I, I did choir. That's how I did the books of the church. That's how I started living. That's how I went to church, was laid on a table at the back. And then this big metal brace. But anyway, so we went to this meeting, and because I always had to be flat, my husband would take one of those chase lounges if we went anyplace. So I was off on the side on a chase lounge at this meeting. And at the end of the meeting, the pastor said uh, that God often used him for healing. Was there anyone that needed healing? And he reached his hand out towards me. Well, for me, it was settled. The pastor and elders had come. God said no. So I wasn't going up for prayer. But somehow the Spirit of God got me to the front. I can't even tell you how. I was just suddenly up front. But it wasn't my conscious decision. And I've seen in Scripture where it will say the Spirit of God lifted me to my feet or put me on my knees. I guess that's what happened. I don't know what to say. So anyway, I was up front, and he prayed for me, and I felt no different. I had the exact same pain I had before, But on the inside, I knew that I knew I was healed. I absolutely knew it. And I had always thought, with my lack of understanding, how would I know if God healed me? If he told me he was healing me, would I know it's God? Would I trust that he was speaking to me and that I was healed? So I thought, if I ever have that feeling that I'm getting that, then I want to do a cartwheel. Now, first of all, cartwheel isn't a careful motion. And secondly, when you've not used your muscles for 17 years, you have no muscle tone. I mean, there's very little that you can do. In fact, I was in the hospital at one point for so long, the soles of my feet fell off because they weren't being used. I wasn't walking on them. So I was not in good condition. And when when I, I wanted to do that cartwheel, but I was too embarrassed to do it in front of everyone. I didn't know all these people. But as soon as we walked out of that room into the parking lot, I did my cartwheel. And, yeah, it was very wow. (laughs) Because my husband was also wowed. He He was in shock. His jaw dropped, and he just stared at me because he'd never seen me healthy. And he's just staring at me, so I had to drive home. Now, normally, I was on the back seat. That's how we picked our car was the best back seat for me lying on. And, but if we, it was just a mile or two, then I might sit. Well, we got into the car because he couldn't drive. He was staring at me. And we went around the first corner, and I felt my body shift with the curve. And I thought, oh, that's different. I didn't know that subconsciously I would tighten up to avoid more pain. And then we get home and walking up the steps. And I took a few steps, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm walking like a normal person. Because for years, I would step up with my good leg and drag my bad up. Step up with my good, drag my bad up. And I was suddenly walking normally. So I knew something truly was taking place, but I knew I was healed. 
And then I actually did something else that I didn't know was a good idea, but we had come back from Germany. It was about midnight at our house, but I knew it was nine hours later there. So I got on the phone and started calling our German friends and saying, I'm healed, I'm healed. And they're, what? They couldn't even connect with that. What does that mean you're healed? That's not possible. But I was and I am. In fact, some of them said when we went back 10 years later to visit, a lot of them were saying, well, you're tall because they always saw me flat and they didn't realize my height. I'm probably a little shorter now, but uh, <laughs> well, I'm almost 70. So this year it turned 70. So I probably shrunk a little bit, but that's okay. And some said, wow, you're still healed. I can tell you, uh, my plan is I'm staying healed. I'm healed and I'm staying healed. Amen? So anyway, I didn't know what the truth was. And so when I was healed, I said to God, I want to understand what happened. Seventeen and a half years of misery. What was different this time? What was different with that prayer? I need to understand what was going on. And I heard him tell me, start studying the Gospels and see how Jesus healed. So I opened up Matthew, and I started reading, and the Holy Spirit was truly my teacher. He opened my eyes, and I saw what I'd never seen before. And I thought, it's so clear. It's God's will for us to walk in health. I'd never seen it. I'd read the Bible for years. But I found out I was reading through the filter of what I was hearing from the pulpit. And so I wasn't really seeing the Bible for what it said. And it was so clear to me, plus... It's, I saw over and over, your faith has made you whole. Be it unto you according to your faith. And I said, God, I thought I had faith. I love you. I go to church. I want to serve you. As long as you never make me a missionary and never make me speak in front of people, I'll serve you. <laughs> that was my plan. It wasn't his plan. I thought we had an agreement, but apparently we didn't. <laughs> so <clears throat> anyway, I just started studying the scripture And I went through those Gospels over and over and over and over and over, and it was so clear. I thought, why hasn't anyone said this? So I just started sharing with anyone and everyone who would listen, and then God would heal them. I'd teach, God would heal. I'd teach, God would heal. Over and over and over. And now he sends me all over the world. And I have literally, because for a while I was trying to make notes of people that were healed, but I'd lose track. And there are so many, even now, every week, So many people healed just instantly at a grocery store, gas station, church. It doesn't matter where. And I feel this is really what we're called to. As Christians, we're doing the works of Jesus. And so now it's normal to see people healed and set free. And it is very clear to me that it's God's will, that that's what he's always intended. And I'll even read some Old Testament scriptures. He's always wanted this. It's always been his will. So I'm very thankful that I'm not living in the lies anymore. Because before I understood, I didn't see anyone healed. No one in our church was ever healed. People prayed all the time, and to my knowledge, no one was ever healed. In fact, we were asked when we traveled across the states, um, we were asked to stop in North Dakota at some healing rooms. Because they said, we have had the healing rooms open for years, and we've never seen anyone healed. Well, people get frustrated with that. They get discouraged. But once you know the truth, it's easy. We're trusting God anyway. We're not doing it. He's falling through us, but it's God. Okay, so we'll continue. (laughs) Because now it's normal to see the the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the paralyzed raised, lungs freed open that were clogged. You know, Parkinson's 
Cancer's galore, just gone. It's normal. But it's God. It's God's normal. And it's supposed to be our normal because we're his children. Amen? So when we make Jesus our Lord and Savior, and I'll ask, is there anyone in the room right now that is not confident that they're serving God, that they have purposely made Jesus their Lord and Savior? Is there anyone unsure of that? Because otherwise this isn't going to make a lot of sense. Okay, so when you made the commitment to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you entered a covenant relationship. And in that salvation that we're given, it's, I like to see it as a big gift box or an arsenal or toolbox for life. And it's so much more than what I had originally been taught. I might have known were the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus, whatever that meant. And that I'd go to heaven when I died and that my sins were forgiven. But there's so much more in that gift that we were given. Let me read to you. And it should be on a screen, Chuck. Um, meanings in the Hebrew for salvation. Something saved, deliverance, aid, help. Victory, prosperity, health, salvation, and welfare. So our health is part of that salvation. And in the Greek, rescue or safety, deliverance, salvation, to save, and health. Health is part of what we were already given. And one of the verbs that's often used, sozo, to save, deliver, or protect, preserve, to do well, to be whole or to make whole, and to heal. So our salvation is so much more than sins forgiven, which is tremendous, but healing is part of that salvation gift. It's already been accomplished for us, and that makes it so much easier to receive. And it's also why I think it's important when you lead someone to the Lord that you tell them about the healing as well and get them healed at the same time. I've seen this over and over when people make Jesus their Lord and Savior, then I get them healed at the same time because it's all part of the same gift. And then they don't miss out and keep suffering and maybe even like with me where they think, well, God wants this because he doesn't. In fact, there, there have been a lot of people where they've done that. And one, one was really interesting because I was uh, over at a guy's house who had had a stroke and I was going to teach him, and his wife was unsaved. But because he was doing slowly with the stroke, she said, I'll write notes, and then we can work through it slowly after you've left. So she's writing all the notes and listening to me teach, and she got so excited as an unbeliever when I asked him if he was ready now for prayer, she answered for him and said, yes, yes, (laughs) he's ready. And so I asked her if she needed anything. Well, she was going in for shoulder surgery. And I prayed for her shoulder, and all the pain left. She was completely healed. And so I said, are you ready now to receive the Lord? And she said, yes. She'd heard so much and found out who he really is. But she got healed and saved also at the same time, just in reverse order. Either way works. (laughs) But too often what we're doing is we're going by experience. We know someone who had cancer was trusting God and they died. And then people come up with the conclusion that it wasn't God's will. Or it can't be God's will to heal everyone because of what I've experienced. But then we would have to be honest and say it's not God's will to save everyone because I know people who aren't saved. But see, it's the same package 
God wants everyone saved. He wants everyone healed. It's all part of the gift. And some people have told me, they say, well, God knows what I need. If he wants to heal me, he will. But that's not the way it works. We access everything in the kingdom of God by faith. You didn't get saved just because God would like you to be and he dropped the salvation on you. That's not the way it worked. You made the decision to receive from him. And that's the way healing works. He's not just dropping it on people. We're accepting what he's already provided. Does that make sense? So it means before you ever sin, your sins are forgiven. And before you ever get sick, healing is available to you. doesn't matter what it is. So it's not a matter of God can heal you. He already has. We're just receiving what he's provided. And some people think, well, not everyone has the opportunity to be healed. Well, then you'd have to say they don't have the opportunity to be saved, but we know that's not true. So keep those thoughts together. Forgiveness and health are from God, part of the same gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 tells us that we are now seated in heavenly places. We're far above all principalities, powers, wickedness. We're far above all that in Christ. And sickness is part of that spiritual wickedness. So we are now to be living on a higher plane and not just this natural plane because we're in Christ. So what really is happening, you're probably, well, I'll read to you John 6, verse 38. Because we want to look at the life of Jesus. Very important. What did Jesus do? He's our role model, right? John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus only did the will of the fathers. Very important to remember. And John 12, verse 50. The things I say, I say just as my father has told me. So he only spoke what the father was telling him to speak. And John 5, 19, the son can do nothing on his own initiative, but only what he sees the father doing. So he, if he touched the lady's hand, it's because that's what he saw the father show him to do. If he said, ears be open, that's what the father was telling him to say. He only did what the father wanted. And this is very important because now if we look at what he was doing, like in Matthew 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. That's what he was doing. That was the father's will. He was only healing. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought into him all sick people that were taken with various diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those that had seizures, and those that were paralyzed, and he healed them. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus only did the Father's will. And the Father has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. With him, there's no variableness. So it is still his will to be healing people. Jesus never made anyone sick. He only healed. And if God had made the person sick and Jesus came along and healed them, he would have been going against the Father's will. So if it's the Father's will for us to walk in health, then we're in good shape. 
We're not, see, I used to think you're twisting God's arm. Choose me, choose me. I want to be the one. Because I thought maybe one in a million are healed. I don't know. I'd never seen anyone healed or heard of it even. But it's his will. Jesus was healing all who were coming in faith. And he never refused to heal anyone either. Matthew 12, verse 15. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. He wasn't picking and choosing. He didn't take that multitude and then pick out certain individuals to heal. He was healing them all. That means you're part of the all. You're not having to wait to be a chosen one to be healed. Amen? Amen. So this is what Jesus was accomplishing in 1 John 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested or revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus was doing. He was destroying works of the devil, not works of God. Sickness is not from God. It's from the devil, part of the fallen world, part of the curse. And Jesus was setting people free from that. Amen? So he wasn't undoing something God had put on them. Sickness is not from God. Jesus never sinned. He only healed. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. And not, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? It was Satan. She was in bondage because of Satan. I've even seen two different women in the Philippines that were like this lady, completely bent over, couldn't look at you except to twist and turn if you talk to them. They looked at the ground all the time. But God's word is true. The power of God flows. All I did was lay hands on them, trust God, and up they popped. And the one lady just started bouncing for joy. (laughs) The NET of that verse says, whom Satan bound for 18 long years be released from this imprisonment on this Sabbath day. That's how God views sickness, that we are being oppressed, we're being imprisoned by works of the devil. He wants us free of that because it's not from him. And that's a mindset that we have to have. This isn't of God, so I don't want it, and it can't stay. It changes the way you pray and the way you expect, what you're expecting. And like I said, I was told that I was suffering for God's glory. In Scripture, the only time you see God getting glory is for the healings, not for suffering. And the only suffering that I can see is for your faith. It's not sickness and disease. So people will tell me, well, healings have passed away. It was just to kickstart the church. I think our churches need a good kickstart. Nothing's changed. Our churches still need to grow. People still need salvation. Don't they still need a Savior? That hasn't changed at all. So when Jesus was going about healing all, he was releasing or relieving people from bondage or oppression of the enemy. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. Healing is good. Uh, Oh, I just lost track went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. He was relieving people from the oppression of the devil. Sorry, I'm getting my tongue all twisted. So if you're sick, it's not because God does not love you. 
He loves every single one of us more than we can even imagine, but the devil does not love us. That's the thing. John 10, verse 10, tells us that it is the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's not God doing the stealing and the destroying. And then Jesus, of course, continues, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So it's, it's not an abundant life that I had been living when I was lying on a table for church. I did the books for the church flat on my back. I reported at the board meetings on the table. That's not abundant life. I worked for IBM, and I was in such pain walking these halls, dragging my foot. Oh, it was horrible. I wanted to have a roller skate so I could just push. Now one of these newer little segways or something would have been perfect. But that wasn't the abundant life. And it wasn't God's will, but I was perishing for lack of knowledge. That's all it was. I just didn't know what the word really said. But once you know, it really makes you free. Being bedridden is not abundant life. Luke chapter 9, verse 56. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And that's that sozo, to heal them, to set them free. That's what he came for. He's not trying to torture us. In the Old Testament, I mentioned that there is God's provision for his people as well. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 3. You probably know it by heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Those are good things. Who forgives all our iniquity, all our sin, all, and heals all our diseases. That means if you can trust God, that if you sin... 1 John 1, 9, that you can confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. If you can trust him for that, then you can also trust him that if you get sick, that the healing has already been provided for. Because sin and sickness are of the enemy, forgiveness and health are from God. So we want to keep it separate like that. So if he's forgiving all your sin and healing all your sickness, does that include cancer? Diabetes, Parkinson's, back pain. What about coronavirus? (laughs) All of it, right? So we don't have to be afraid of any of that. We can just be trusting him. In Psalm 105, verse 37, speaking of the Israelites, he brought them forth with silver and with gold, and there was not one feeble among their tribe. Consider they were in the wilderness for 40 years, so they had babies and all ages, and grandmas and grandpas, and even older, who knows? And for 40 years, not one feeble, not even weak. This is the promise that we have from God. It even says our shoes didn't wear out. We can live on a whole other level than what we're living, and we want to get there. So we have the protection provided for, the health the prosperity, everything's already been provided for us. We just need to tap into and be thinking spiritually and receive from God. John chapter 8, verse 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Free from sin, free from sickness, free from all of it. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, we know from John 1, 1 that Jesus is the word that was sent, and he healed So Isaiah 55, 
you probably all know this one, Isaiah 55, verses 4 and 5, talking about the Savior coming. I'm just trying to establish for you what God's will is and that he wants us walking in health. So I'm going to read it with some of the definitions. Surely he has borne or carried our sicknesses, diseases, and afflictions, and carried our pains and sufferings. So right there, he's already carried every pain, every sickness, every disease that you could ever get. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our sins and rebellion. He was bruised for our iniquity, perversity, evil, and sin. The chastisement of our peace, which means good health, prosperity, safety, favor, and welfare, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So it's always been God's plan for us to walk in health. And you've probably even heard a mother been the mother with a sick child who has said, I wish I could suffer for my child. I'd even die for him so that he could live a good life. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He took that for us. He suffered for us even to the point of death because he loves us. And he brought that salvation to us. He did it out of love. And that's the abundant supply that we're supposed to be living in. And then we can see the fulfillment of that verse in Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities, which is diseases, sicknesses, weaknesses, and carried our sicknesses. So Jesus was fulfilling that word in Isaiah to heal all our diseases, to carry all that for us so that we don't have to. He forgave every sin and every sickness has been dealt with before we ever get it. He paid that price, a high price. And really, once we grab hold of this, by knowing that Jesus paid the price and it's available to us, we really should not have to pay the price again at the doctor's office. Now, it's not bad to go to a doctor. I'm not saying don't go to a doctor or take medicine. But the thing is, if it's been paid for, and that's the way God wants us to live, that's what we need to be going after. So maybe you're not at that point yet, and so you go to the doctor in the meantime. But I would encourage you, keep working on your faith. Keep increasing your faith, whether it be a cold or you twist your foot. The point is, go to God first. Not the doctor and not the medicine cabinet. Go to God first. You get a headache, go to God. Start building your faith so that you're trusting him above everything else. And if you consider, do you want to trust man or God? And I was thinking about this because of all these thousands and thousands of people that were healed, they needed healing because doctors could not help them. So man is limited, doctors not. And it doesn't even cost you anything. And here's the other idea with this, is that healing is spiritual. When I pray for someone who has a broken bone and it's sticking out, and God immediately heals that and puts it back together, that's not natural. That's spiritual. Healing is spiritual. All these things that just suddenly change in your body, you're suddenly healed, and the backbone suddenly straightened, or whatever it might be, That's spiritual. It's supernatural. It's spiritual. 
So when you go to the doctor with a spiritual issue, you're expecting him to use natural resources to deal with a spiritual issue. So it's asking a lot of them. And if we'll go first and do this spiritually, go with our spiritual weapons against a spiritual issue, we're in much better shape. And again, I'm not saying don't go, but keep increasing your faith, increasing the revelation of this so that your first thought is God. Go to God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen? And all these things will be added unto you. And that's where living in this world, especially the United States, has trained us to go to the medicine cabinet first, to go to, God, to, go to the doctor first. And we need to just retrain ourselves to go to God first. And then if we end up with the doctor, don't let your faith then drop. Just keep that faith going. Keep increasing it. I know our grandson has been um, trained in healing. He's been healed of so many things. He was born with issues, and uh, he, his mother, our daughter fosters, so he, uh, she fostered and then adopted him. And he had this stomach tube in because he couldn't swallow it all and couldn't keep any food down if he took it by mouth. And he was completely healed, and he has been healed of so many different things. And he knows. He, when he has someone over, like when he was just three or four years old, he had a friend over, and they were riding their little trikes down the hillside. And the friend's bike rolled. And instead of thinking something else, our little grandson went running after him. It's okay, I'll pray for you. That's his first thought is go to God. You've got something, go to God. He always does that. And he'll even say when our daughter was teaching him to call my number if something happened and 911, he said, well, mom, I'd pray first. (laughs) And that's how we need to be. What's your first thought? Where are you going first? Because healing's spiritual. Now, a lot of people do believe that healing or sickness is a blessing from God. And in fact, there's a lady in our area who has written a book, um, Blessed by Cancer. It's not a blessing. And it's not of God. Things that are not of God are not a blessing. But people will say, well, it's a blessing. But if they really believe that, why are they going to the doctor? Why are they paying the surgeon thousands of dollars to cut the blessing out? See, we need to think clearly, because that's not even logical. If it's a blessing, why aren't you asking for more? God, give me more pain, more disease. I want to be blessed more. Give me more bills. (laughs) Or why are you even taking medication if it's a blessing from God? See, it's not. And it's not even logical to think that way. And some people think, well, God's teaching through sickness. But then that's nullifying the work of the cross. God's put his spirit on the inside of us. He's going to teach us all day long, every day, if we'll listen. And there's no doubt people learn when they've been sick. They can learn things. But I think it's because now they're quiet and not so busy with the things of the, the day. They're not distracted, so they're finally tuning in and listening. But it would make no sense for God to use tools of the enemy to speak to his precious children when he's put himself on the inside of us. So it's not his tool for speaking to his children. So don't let people convince you that. And if Jesus carried every sickness, why would God put it back on us? 
again, it would nullify what, God, what Christ did at the cross. So again, I always go back to the life of Christ. Do you see it in the life of Christ? Was he blessing people by making them sick? No. He never made sick. He only healed. And he didn't say, okay, I have to teach you, so you're all going to feel miserable for 10 days because I have a lot to teach you. He didn't do that kind of thing. We don't say to our children, okay, sorry, but I'm going to break your leg because we have some serious lessons to learn. We don't do it. God doesn't do it. But somehow it got into my church anyway that that was that kind of thought. But Jesus Jesus doesn't make sick. God doesn't make sick. And God never made Jesus sick. And Jesus was listening to him all the time. And all we have to do is, like he did, tune in. Listen, take the time. Because if God, if God placed a sickness on us, we wouldn't have any right to fight it in any way with medication doctors or anything. I also have this question with that whole thought where people will say, well, no, he didn't give it to me, but he's having me keep it so I can learn. But would you ever say, God's having me keep doing this sin because I'm learning so much from it? See, if we'll keep our, our um, beliefs about sin, apply those same things to sickness, we'll keep our doctrine straight. So if you wouldn't say, God's having me continue to sin so I can learn, then don't say, God's keeping me sick so I can learn. If you're not going to say, God is making me sin or he's causing me to sin, he's giving me this sin, then don't say he's giving me the sickness. So help keep your doctrine straight. Sin and sickness are of the enemy. And another thing with that is if God were using that to teach you some lesson, then that would mean that the moment you say, Lord, I got it, then the sickness is gone. The cancer is gone. The diabetes is gone. But that's not the way it works. Now here, in this case, once you learn the truth, then yes, it can go. But God's not using that to teach us. And why are non-Christians sick? So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Now Christ has come, gone, come and gone. It's afterwards, and it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And you'll notice there, too, just like in Psalm 103, you have sin and sickness together. Forgiveness and health together. Because it's all the same package. Sickness and sin are part of the curse. They're not for us. Another good example of where these two are together, let me read you Matthew 9, verses 2 to 7. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Again, he's needing healing, but his sins are forgiven. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts, in your thoughts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or arise and walk? It's all the same gift from God. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Forgiveness and health are all part of the same gift. And he arose and departed to 
his house. So it's just as easy to say to someone, God forgives you of that sin, as it is to say, be healed. It's just as easy. Same God, same promise, same package. We're going to be saved, we're going to be healed, we're going to accept all the gifts of God by faith. These are spiritual issues. We get so naturally minded, we're looking at everything that's going on naturally, and we need to shift and be considering things spiritually. You really can't read the Bible naturally and get what you need to out of it. You have to be looking at it spiritually. So we also never test our salvation by how we feel, but we also don't test our healing by how we feel. We have to know that we're healed. We have to know from the word we are healed and walk that out. We can't just go by what we see and what we feel. We're Christians. We walk by faith and not by sight. But with the area of healing, people go by their feelings and what they see. And we need to go by faith. And a really good example of this is a lady who was in our church where we were years ago. And there was a wrong chromosome count. She was pregnant with a baby. And because of the chromosome count, they said this baby is going to be totally deformed it's going to be a horrible mess, and you need to abort the baby. Well, she chose to keep the baby, and I went over, explained scripture to her, and prayed with her, and when the baby was born, it had none of those deformities at all. The only thing was that there was a two-inch gap in his spinal cord, so the doctor said he'll never be upright. He won't be able to sit or stand because of this gap. He'll just fold. Well, two years later, I saw her at the store. She was holding this toddler, and he was upright in her arms. And she said, oh, he's perfectly normal. He runs and stands. He's a normal toddler. Nothing wrong with him. But here's the thing. The x-ray still shows a two-inch gap. So we don't go by sight. Because if you just go by that x-ray, what he's doing is not possible, and you'll... What we'll do is shut them down. We'll say, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. But that's walking by sight. So this little boy is perfectly normal, perfectly healthy, but the x-rays still show the gap. I don't know what my x-rays show. I really like to see, is the bridge still there? What's going on? What does it look like? It doesn't matter because I'm healed, but I'm curious. It might be kind of fun someday, except they charge money. What we have to remember is that natural facts are always subject to change by the truth. doesn't matter what's going on, what the doctor said, it is subject to change by the truth of God and his love. doesn't matter what it is. And there again, that's where we get into trouble. We focus so much on what we're seeing and we think this is it. I have this. This is a problem. But it's subject to change. If you'll think spiritually, it's subject to change. There was a man at our son's church in Indiana that had spina bifida, and he walked at a 45-degree angle. His legs were all deformed, and he hobbled. It was really painful for him to stand even for a few moments. And God touched him. He was able to walk. The pain left. They'd been numb before, but he got all his feeling back. And for 20 minutes... He walked around and around and around the sanctuary, and as he walked, he got straighter and straighter and straighter and straighter, completely healed. But the natural says, he's got spina bifida, look at him. But it's subject to change. 
because God's God. <laughs> and with him, nothing's impossible. And this is what he's wanting. So everything can change. There are so many different stories. There was a lady with um, kidney disease, and she had foot neuropathy. She couldn't feel her foot, but it was in great pain. And she couldn't lift her arms up. She had brain fog, whatever that is. And uh, she'd already had to have a toe amputated because of gangrene. But I went over, taught the truth, prayed for her, and she was completely healed. She took the boot off. The next day she was at the orthopedic surgeons, and he said, I don't know what happened, but you're completely healed. You don't need any of this. And the brain immediately cleared up. She was loosed, everything. It's subject to change. No matter what you have had, it's subject to change. Because God is good and he's faithful. Healing is part of our inheritance, so we don't have to beg for it. Too often people are saying, God, please, please heal my neighbor, heal my friend, heal me. But we don't have to beg. The inheritance is already ours. Christ has already died. So it's already ours to have. We're not begging for it. Jesus never asked God to heal someone. He was just exercising authority and speaking out, touching whatever God showed him to do. So circumstances should never influence our faith. We have to put our faith in what God has said and know that that is truth and just keep reaffirming that, building our faith. Because the truth isn't found in the circumstances, it's in the promise. And we're never even going to have to ask for our inheritance. It's already been given. So not begging, not asking. Now people will say, this can take time, or their expectation is it's going to take time. But I don't, I don't do that simply because in the life of Christ, the people, from what I can see, were healed instantly. By the time he went to the next village, they already had news of all these healings. Well, it didn't take six weeks then for it to kick in. And I always expect it to be instantaneous when I pray. And that's almost always what I see. So be it unto you according to your faith. That's what the word says. But people will say it's in God's timing. You can't tell him that you want your healing now. It's in God's timing. But the good news is God's timing was already 2,000 years ago. So we're not waiting for him. He's waiting for us to just receive what he already gave. If your child says, I want a bike for Christmas. I want a bike for Christmas. Give me a bike, please. I want a bike. And you give them the bike or you give them the promise, yes, you're getting your bike. And they have the bike now, and they keep saying, can I have a bike? Can I have a bike? You're going to say, what are you talking about? It's right there. You've got your bike. That's the way it is with healing. We already have it. And that's why we don't even have to be asking for it or begging for it. It's already ours. We just need to say, oh, thank you. I'll take it. And if you're keeping forgiveness and healing together salvation, freedom, deliverance, all that, God's gift, then consider this too. When you, have any of you ever prayed for someone that needed to be delivered? Anyone? Okay. Now, when you prayed for them, did you tell them it could take a month or two before they're free? Or did you expect to be instantaneous? Okay, it's all the same gift, right? It's the same thing. How about if you've led someone to the Lord? Do you tell them it could take a year before they're actually saved? Or are they saved at that instant? See, God's waiting on us. It's not going to take time. Now, if it should take time, 
Don't be concerned about it. Keep your faith. Keep your confession. Thank you, Lord. I'm healed. I receive that. I see it in the word, and it's mine. I'm receiving it. Thank you. Because oftentimes it's just our own old thinking that's kind of hindering us. (laughs) So it could take time. I've even had, there was a lady that, I guess I'd prayed for her back or something, but she went home, and in the night she felt her back being adjusted, her hips aligned. And in the morning she looked and her hips were perfectly aligned. So it happened an hour or two or three later in her sleep. I don't know why, but expect it to be instantaneous. Just like your salvation or deliverance. There, are, um, there was a lady that was in New York in one of the other cities. And she was scheduled to go in for the final test for a cochlear implant. And uh, she got prayer, was completely healed, had total hearing, no problem, and didn't have to have the surgery because she was completely healed. I was up in Washington at a place, and a bunch of elderly people came. Eight of them had hearing aids, and they all walked out of there without any hearing aids, hearing perfectly. This is what God wants. This is normal. Our daughter was taking some medication for something, I don't know, but it was causing her to just suddenly pass out. And she was outside in front of our church, and I happened to be inside at a meeting, and she just suddenly collapsed and crashed her head against the concrete and stopped breathing. And someone was in a car and heard her head crack when it hit the cement. And so they rushed in and got me, and I was praying over her, and the man that saw it called 911. And when they, when they got her to the emergency room, they said, she must not have fallen because there's no lump, there's no bump, there's nothing. And yet this guy heard the crack. She stopped breathing. I had to bring her back. But the point is, God is good. Things are subject to change. I could look at that and say, oh, she's dead. She stopped breathing. It's over and start crying. Or think spiritually, no, this is not happening. This is my daughter. And I spoke life to her and said, no bruising, no bump, no concussion, no injury, nothing in the name of Jesus. And that's what we receive. So we can't just keep looking at situations for what they look like, but what would God say about it? What does God want? And then just let him work through us and see the miracles. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now these things that I've been talking about and we'll continue to talk about, it's not just for healing, but it's also for relationships and finances and all of your life. It's not strictly for healing. If you're going to believe for finances, let's say you have to know God's will and the other topics we're going to talk about, it's, these things are for everything. But I looked up here on above all taking the shield of faith. It has two different meanings. One of it is timing. So first and foremost, before anything, put up that shield of faith. But it's also positional above everything that's taking place. Put up that shield of faith. What has God said about this? What is his truth? And then choose to trust that, walk in that, and not just what you're seeing. And it says, and take up the helmet of salvation, which means receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So we have a large part to play in the health of our lives. Some people think, well, God's in control, he's sovereign, everything that happens to us is his will. 
But that's not true. It's only if you're letting him. So we have a part to play. We stand in faith. We know what his word says. And then we stand on that. And we see things turn. We see things change right before our eyes. And it's exciting. When you see people that are in excruciating pain and instantly all the pain left. We had people yesterday had a seminar all day. And I didn't even pray for her. I just had her. The Lord said, have her speak to these things. And she spoke to all this different pain from fibromyalgia that she had. And she was completely free. All the pain gone. And yet you'll live for years and years and years with this pain. Then you get the revelation and it's over. It's gone. Hallelujah. So take up that heavenly position that you live in. And receive from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. That it is so true. And that it is your will that we live abundant lives, free from all demonic oppression, free from pain and sickness and disease. Thank you that you provided that for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.